Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg, and I'm here with uh, Javi de Jesus. Uh, welcome. Good to see you, Brian. So you just finished your college season, and as you told me, you're about to start with your travel bowl season. You're, you're working with some 14s and 16s and trying to help them going. But I, I want to focus a little bit first on the college season, because I think there's some uh, amazing stories that came out of there. First of all, one of the things I did this season, looking at stats, trying to understand who had good pitching staffs. So for example, my son's a pitcher and I want to make sure he's going to get to a good place where, where the team's going to develop them. What are some of the things that you did that as a parent looking from the outside, they can identify to say, Hey, this is an organization. This is a team. This is, this is a college program. That's going to help my son develop as a pitcher. And I think one of the biggest thing that people find it very unusual about me as a coach is that I actually have a good rapport and relationship with all my pitchers. It doesn't matter if they're like my big, like my big man, Matt Peters, or the guy who is number 19 on our pitching depth. I always have a good rapport with them because it's more about learning who they are as an individual will help me understand who they are as a baseball player. And once I build that trust with them, now we can get into more in-depth stuff on, okay, what about this? Have you tried this? And we get into the more idiosyncrasies of what they do in the game and how they think in the game. That's the kind of stuff that I like to do with all my pitchers. Because if you don't have build rapport with them, then basically it's like, okay, who are you? You're number 19. Okay, go there and pitch. That's not what a coach is supposed to be doing. So could, would a parent or, or student athlete go ahead and try to talk to some of the bench pitchers to understand what it, their experience is like to understand absolutely. if their coaches are actually doing that? Oh, absolutely. And I have, for me, all the guys know that I'm extremely transparent. I, t I tell them, you can ask any, you can ask me anything you want. I'll be more than happy to tell you. You can ask any of these guys and they're going to repeat basically the same thing I'm telling you, but I have, for me, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to say, no, don't talk to this pitcher here because he's trouble. No, 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 no. Talk to him. I want everybody to know that when they come here at Ivy Tech, they know what they're getting. So let, let's talk about your big guy. Cause uh, when he stepped on camp, let's backtrack. He hit what? 101 this year. He's hit as hard as 103. 103. And this yeah. is a, a junior college, correct? Junior college. It, yes. In, in, in case parents were wondering, the junior college is only where pitchers throw it 82. Yep. This young man, the story behind him is basically it's gone viral, to be honest with you, because as a high school senior, he was 5'7", 160 pounds, throwing 83 miles an hour. And now he is 6'4", 225, and he's topped out at 103, but would sit anywhere from 96 to 98. That's not how he started. When he actually stepped on campus, he was 89 and 93 with like his slider was almost like a cutter, like a very not moving cutter at maybe 86, 87. Now that slider has incredible depth and break to it and has hit 92 on that slider, which is to me is mind boggling because I tell these guys throw the crap out of it. But with him, the one thing with him is that, yeah, he threw hard, he has a live arm but he couldn't pitch. He only had 11 innings prior to coming over to Ivy Tech. So we had to really focus on what can I help this young man? How can I help this young man stand out? 
and we had a long discussion. I have all these discussions with all my pitchers about what it's like to throw strikes, using your legs to help you guide the body towards the zone at high intent in order to throw, throw a fastball with high velocity and command at the same time. If you can have both, you'll have a job at the next level, whether it's D1, D2, NEIA, and then beyond that into professional ball. If you can throw strikes, command it with high velo, you're going to have a job. So is that the main difference between number one, number 19? I think so. And the staff that I took over was, they were hungry for somebody to come in and show them what's going on. The year before, the average fastball on the staff was like 81 miles an hour. And for junior college level, that is not good. Take Peters out of the equation, which basically helped the boost of those numbers, of course, but take Peters out of the equation, our average fastball was up to 88 miles an hour. And the, and some of the guys that were throwing, that were averaging 80, 87, 88 miles an hour last year, they were only throwing, they were from 75 to 81 miles an hour. And they were told that you can only throw so hard. And to me, that's the challenge. Like you never tell a player, you're only going to hit, you're only going to throw this hard. You're only going to throw this velocity. If they would have told Matt Peters that after, after being a senior in high school, that he was only throwing 83 miles an hour, you would, nobody would ever know who this young man is. Yeah. They would have maybe turned him into a side armor, like some kind of specialist. And, and honestly, I did have one that they actually turned into a side armor and the poor kid, he had all kinds of shoulder problems. He had, he, he was normally like. In high school, he was a high, a low three-quarter arm slot, and they dropped him down last year. He was like 72 to 75. Over the fall, he was like, oh, my shoulder's killing me. He went through different doctors. Oh, I see some labrum, some labor to issues there. When they had the MRI and the, and the x-rays, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pop that sucker up there back to where it was before with the help of Jason Colloran's kinetic arm. Which I, I want to diff about. Yeah. Yes, but I've been using, that's one of the main things that I use for my pitching lab. I use it with this young man. And now instead of this young man, his baseball career ending, he actually signed, committed to Ottawa, uh, the NAI school down in Arizona. And this year he ended topping out at 88 miles an hour and was sitting 83 to 86 miles an hour with a nasty breaking ball, great change up. And his confidence was basically through the roof because his arm stopped hurting. His arms stopped hurting because he now's throwing on his normal slot. So there's a few things I want to unpack there. Cause you, you said a few things. Number one, again, as a parent, try to try to find the right program. Yes. I heard arms, not hurting, big priority, yeah. getting the body to work in the right way in, in, a, in a linear way towards the plate to throw strikes more consistently and with more velo. Correct. And I heard your pitching lab and I want to dive into that. Sure. Uh, the type of things that you were doing, because you've taken these kids who are coming in maybe 81 to 83, and you've seen as much as a 20 mile per hour uh, gain in two years of them being at your school. Right. So what is it that you're doing with these players that other schools who may or may not have labs are doing so differently? I can't speak for other programs as far as what they do, because I know some programs around this area, they're very good. They they actually get a lot of talented young pitchers, but with me, I like the challenge of getting somebody who I see certain movements and I want to develop those movements. And 
I, when I went to the ABCA convention in Chicago, I basically met up with Jason Colloran with the, that is the inventor of the kinetic arm, which he and I have a great relationship because he's been, I've been testing a lot of the, a, a lot of the processes of his kinetic arm. I've been using it with all my pictures. Now, on top of that, I'm also got involved with pitch AI and pitch logic would actually in the pitch logic is the ball that measures spin rate, break fours, tilt axis and everything like that. So it basically gives me a good idea as to what's happening at the release point when the ball, when the ball's thrown. So it gives me enough data to see, okay, if I use that kinetic arm with the pitch logic, how is it before, after, before, during, and after where are all my metrics going there? And that's the kind of data that I've been using with my pit, with my pitching lab that I've seen a lot of these young men actually start exploding on wanting that knowledge. Oh, coach, I feel this. So if I can use my fingers to be able to do, make the ball do this and maintain my slide, can the ball do this? You know what? Let's check it out. So that's exactly what we do. So the, my pitching lab is more so of basically taking the video, putting it on the apps and just observing and watching all the time and actually have those one-on-ones with them. But that's just the tip of the iceberg as to what I actually do with these boys. Um, these young men, actually, I put these guys through a very rigorous sprint program. I don't believe in running pulse for distance. I can't stand running pulse for distance. When I pitch, I hated running pulse for distance. I couldn't stand it. So basically everything is about explosiveness, sprint work. We have this thing all for progressive sprints that we run 1040s, 850s, 560s, 480s, and three 100s. And then we go do on, do more and stuff after they do that. So it's very, everything is very explosive for them. And that's when I started noticing a trend on velocities really climbing up after they started going through this on top of a very rigorous long toss program. So all of this stuff combined, yeah, it actually helped my pitchers increase not only velocity, but they got more confidence on the actual bump itself that they could actually go in there and compete against anybody. Now, nobody can completely prevent arm injuries. We, we know that. Throwing a baseball at Mike Reynolds away, it's inherently dangerous. We're talking about the, one of the fastest movements in baseball, in sports, in all sports, is that Correct. shoulder rotating in a pitch. Absolutely. Absolutely. But your incorporating of the kinetic arm in here, what kind of results are you seeing with your players? And, and I know I see posts on Facebook all the time asking me, hey, where do you know about this? What do you hear about this? And I, I'm the first one to share what I've learned. But what is it that you've seen? And I know that you've also been working with another school to do some biomechanics uh, analysis with it. I'm sure. T tell us a little bit about that, the, the, those well, results. Here's what, here's the results that I received because when I put the guys through the, cause I, I have them throw the ball with, without it first with it. And then after, and then I do my measurements using that pitch AI and I use is the very same in the very, during the same, during, during the very same session, same bullpen. I take, I put it on, I take it off. So it's basically like you're undressing a night with getting ready to go to battle and everything. And the results that I'm getting is how much less pork you're actually putting on the shoulder and how much extension you're actually getting through the release point, how much are they actually achieving that whenever they're using a kinetic arm and whether, and before they use a kinetic arm and after they use a kinetic arm and the, 
the results that I received from that is that there is a much lower torque on the arm while using the kinetic arm. And then after you take it off, you retain that. There's a fluctuation of maybe, maybe two to 3% either way, but it's there. And once those, once my pictures actually get a comfortable and a repeatable motion on that arm, you reduce the risk of that arm becoming a lot, you know, create a lot more wear and tear in the arm to allow the arm to actually flow freely through the throwing zone without the, oh, coach, I feel this on my arm. I felt this on my arm. It's like none of my guys this year at one time after the season was over, not one of the guys complained that they had arm issues. That's impressive and something that we should all hope for. Let's jump quickly. You're coaching also 16U this summer. So obviously they're out there looking for exposure. Sure. They want to get recruited. What are you doing as a, a coach and a pitching coach mm-hmm. with those pitchers? Like, how are you managing their workload? What are you looking for from, let's say, number of innings or the number of pitches in a game for the same reasons, right? Keeping them healthy plus giving them right. that exposure. But what should... A, a parent be hopeful for when they find a coach, you know, l- like you, that they're doing the right thing by, th- by those. For me, it's more so, uh, I want to listen to that young man. I, I want to hear what he has to say and how he feels. Cause number one, I can't feel for him. I can't feel how he throws. He, he can only tell me so much. However, though, being in baseball, as long as I have, there are certain nuances when you see a pitcher gets tired. They're not, okay, something's off right here because the ball used to do this. Now it's doing this. There's a reason behind it. And that's when you have those conversations with them. It's like, what are you doing differently? What exactly is going on here? Something that I'm going to be doing this year, a lot of is I'm going to video a lot of my, a lot of the pictures, not only through Game Changer, but also through my app and everything. So I can actually keep track on where they're at mechanically. Are they mechanically getting improving? Are they better? Are they maintaining? But also after we get done during, because you know how those tournaments can go from Wednesday to Sunday, they can get really, really hectic. Understanding how many pitches, how many innings are thrown. I'm a huge proponent in pitch counts and understanding that all these guys, you have so many bullets in your arm in your whole term of your career. Right now, a fifth, a 16 u tournament that's, is it really that important now versus what's going to happen in a couple of years when you go to college? So it's understanding how to be able to monitor that workload. And I do have, I keep it on spreadsheets and everything on how many pitches they throw, ball strikes and everything. Know that we have Game Changer. There's more data that they can actually be retrieved from Game Changer that I can actually keep track on that. How many pitches per inning, number of strikes, balls, all that kind of jazz there, which really helps out and gives me enough information to be able to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you a couple of days rest because you threw 60 pitches today. You threw too many balls. You threw this right here. You know what? Let's go to, you know, two days rest. I usually have a rule that if a pitcher throws 40 innings, I'm sorry, 40 pitches in one day, you're not throwing for two days. You're, you're, you're cut off. I want to just pitch smart. Exactly. And especially that's early on in the season. And later on, you know, if we get into, a championship and we get into the winner's bracket and we go there is more about, okay, let's see you compete. Show me what kind of guts you got when you get out there and throw. And that's where they let him go four or five innings. I coach, I'm good. Okay. Get out. We'll get somebody else in there because I, 
I really hate seeing the the trend in baseball right now that some of these starting pitchers are going five innings and think I just pitched the greatest game on earth. It's like, no, five innings is nothing. Quality starts back when a few 10, 20, 25 years ago, it was seven innings was a quality start. Now five innings is a quality start. I'm like, what are we doing? It doesn't make any sense. And I know the analytics stuff, they have all the kind of stuff to play with, but you're dealing with 16 year old kids that want to come. And, but there's also time to be careful with them to develop them. And then when there's time to what, here's the ball, entertain me, go out there and shove it up their butts. That's what I want to go see. And that also helps like for me as a as a college recruiter, if I'm seeing a young man go out there and he's just getting shelled, but he's competing his ball off, he's getting out there doing his thing. You know what? I want to watch this young man pitch because number one, I don't care if you do bad or good is how are you coming to that adversity? How are you handling that success? What kind of body language do you have? How after the every inning, how are you communicating with your teammates? How are you communicating with the umpire and have that good rapport with the umpire? How are you doing that? Do you have bad body language? There's a whole slew of stuff that young, that people need to understand that is a requirement of the recruiting process, but I'm old school in that as, you know what, you're going to show respect to everybody and you're going to get out there. You're going to compete, but you're going to respect your opponent and respect your teammates. Yeah. It's interesting you say that I was, I was at the facility this past week and, and one of the coaches who's there, who's a current college coach and one of the pitchers from his team was in the facility getting a lesson. And at the end of the lesson, he's chatting with him and he talks to him and said, you know what, I watched you the first game and I, this is the first tournament, so I'm not really too concerned about it. I'm not going to worry about how well you did, what numbers you put on in the game. All I'm looking for is how you competed. How did you, how, what, what happened after every pitch? Did you go in there? Oh, man. Oh, I didn't get that cold. Like that body language tells him more. And the only thing he's going to remember about the season, if you didn't get better by the end of the season, that's when he knows as a coach, he failed. But that, yep. that, is that really what the college coaches are looking for? I think a lot of, parents and, and, and student athlete pitchers really don't understand what it is. It's not just because there's lots of kids out there who can throw harder than you. That's not the issue. What is it that, that a, a college pitching coach is actually looking for in those pitchers? For me, I like to look at a couple of things. Number one, can he pitch? Does he understand to go inside and outside? Can he throw? His breaking, his breaking ball for a strike at any given moment. Can he throw a changeup? Can he hold runners on? Can he feel his position? What kind of body language does he have? Does he move well on and off the field? And to me, one of the biggest one is how good of a competitor is he? How badly does he want the ball? Because I want guys that are, are, are going to be my weekend starters. Not guys are going to be, oh, I just need a couple of innings today. No, I don't want those kind of guys. I want guys that know how to compete. However, though, then you have those guys that you go to these big tournaments, you have these massive, incredibly talented teams. And then you have this one kid that he goes and gets his one inning done. And that's it. That's all he gets because everybody else is 96, 97. His kid throws 87, 88. Good stuff right there. I want to pay a little more attention to that young man because you know what? He's there, he's being overlooked, but there's something there that could help him or that could, he could help himself by competing at the same level that the bigger guys that have better arms than him. That's going to give him. those are the kids that I want to be able to see a little more. 
because those are the diamonds in the rough. Those big guys are they're going to get looked at. What about the other guys? Those are the guys I want to look at right there. Yeah, that's the money ball equation. There, there are schools out there who are looking for guys who are ready now, and that's it. And they're like, okay, I'm going to work with whatever they've got. And then there are our organizations and, and programs out there that look at kids and say, wait a minute, he's got a lot of pieces shining up. He's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. And one, one young man right now is one of my former students, Jack Parisi. He went to Spalding University, had a stellar four-year career there, but he has that extra fifth year to be a, he was a COVID, had that COVID year, extra year. He became a grad transfer, went to Indiana State and absolutely tore it to pieces. Right now in the summer, we thought, okay, maybe he's going to be done. He's going to go work for his father because his father's got a very, a very profitable restaurant here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. But guess what? He's in a draft league now because he started off 88, 90. Oh, man, that's not bad for D3. That's really good for D3, actually. Mm. And at Indiana State, he's topped out at 96. Go figure. It's like you never know that one young man that could go under the radar that could sneak up on people saying, okay, this is a kid because, and the one thing that stood him aside from anybody else, he loved to compete. He got, he, I gave him the ball. He played for me. I gave him the ball. It's like, Jack, give me seven innings. He gave me seven innings. He didn't care. Coach, I want the ball. It's like, all's yours. Oh, don't get your butt in the dugout, rest up and get your butt out there again. Those are the guys I want to see compete every day. Not the guys that, you know, coach, I, I, I don't want, I, I threw pretty well for two innings. I'm good right now. It's like, no, go sit down. You're done. A couple more questions. So number one, let's talk about this competing side. As a coach, when you're out recruiting, is this why you'd prefer to watch them play in games and necessarily see just a showcase where they're there and they're just throwing for their highest velo and, and that kind of stuff. I, I honestly prefer to watch them in games than, than actually going to showcases because in showcase, they're going to rear back and throw the ball as hard as they can. Great. He has arm strength. Fantastic. But can he spot it? With bases loaded, can he spot that 91-92? Can he throw that, that wipeout slider on 0-2 pitch with a man on third base and get him for, get him for a strike? Can he throw a changeup? How can he set hitters up? All that kind of jazz there. How can he do all that kind of stuff? Those are the kind of things. Those are the kind of attributes I want to be able to see. You're only confined to looking at that in showcases. And yeah, some showcases will have live hitters and everything, which is fine. That's okay. But those hitters too are also trying to go yabo. They're trying to see how hard and how far they can hit the ball with his exit pillows. So it doesn't give a true account of what that pitcher and hitter actually do. And to me, it shows a disservice to that particular young man not taking away any kind of credit on how hard they've worked, nothing like that at all. But to me, my personal opinion, my personal preference is I want to watch you play. Show me, show me what you got. Show me what's going on. Because one way or another, you're going to find that little diamond and rough out there that is going to turn to be an All-American or maybe in the, your next draft choice. But as how they compete, I want to see them in games. Okay, so last question, which is a little bit of a complex question, but I, but I do want to address it. So obviously not everybody can be at one of the games where you're going to be at or whatever coach they want to see is going to be at. How do they attract attention from a coach? And let's do this through social media, maybe mm -hmm. at a camp or maybe at a visit or obviously 
at a game, we know they're, they're going to compete, but what is it that they can do to, to help get the attention of a coach they're interested in? I think social media will play a huge part into it. Knowing the, all the kind of apps that are out there that well, the flat ground apps, which is fantastic, by the way, field level has done. We, I use field level a lot for my 16U and also for our Ivy tech guys to go to, to the next four year school field levels also really well too. But is that constant communication? I get tons of DMS from young men that want to come play for us, but they do have game video and. I, I like the videos that are sent over. I, I, I like to see both. If it's a pitcher, I want to see the side view of your bullpen, but I also want to see game footage. I want to see how you're taking your bullpen and can you actually make it the link to the game? Can you take in that information of the game? Also with the hitters too. If I see a hitter that has a, just a beautiful gorgeous swing in a cage, are you taking the same swing whenever you're actually hitting a game? So I want both of them for myself, but is. And, and you know what, baseball, you've known this, ball's a small world. Everybody talks. If I got somebody, you know what, coach, I don't have any, I don't have any room for me, but coach, I got this young man over here in Evansville, Indiana, that's going to be legit. You want to take a, you want to take a look at him because we don't have room for him, but it might be a help to you. The baseball community helps each other out because it's not about my, it's not about me. It's not about the other coach. It's about that young man. How can we help this young man achieve his dream? on going to a college to get, to give them a chance to play at the next level. Beautiful. That's that, that's so well said. And, I, and I've seen that. I've seen that with, with sitting around with Sammy's, uh, the head coach, Keith Jackson runs the, the action baseball organization as well as all the French were coaches. And it's, it's that you may see somebody, it's not a fit for you, for your school, for whatever reason, maybe it's geographic, maybe it's sure. Absolutely. Whatever the reasons he's going to give a call and say, Hey, I got a kid. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's the whole thing. The more we can help these young men actually get that to that next level, because sometimes they don't even know. Granted, there are organizations out there that don't do anything. They pay a lot of money to play for them, but they don't do anything for them. So the parents are like, okay, what do we do? Who do we go to? And you know, they have your NCS, those particular mm -hmm. recruiting firms and everything. Yeah, they may cost a lot of money and everything like that, but they do help young men and young women out to achieve that, the dream of playing college ball at the next level. But if you take, if coaches take the time to educate themselves on the whole process on learning the, the, the division one rules, all the rules for academics, because that's another thing too. I always ask, what's your GPA? How are you going to school? I, I, those are some of my favorite questions to ask because that tells me what is the, if this young man is actually a boss in the classroom, he's going to be a boss on the baseball field as well, too. Those are the things that I actually like to ask a lot of my parents, but also implore all coaches to learn about that, understand that process. I'm an educated man. I'm, I'm a dissertation away from obtaining my PhD in healthcare administration. Baseball players are, we're no dummies. We're, we got, we got some, we, we, we still got some marble still left up there that actually twirl once or twice. So for me, it's about learning the process so you can actually be a better liaison and a better mentor to that young man in the family. That's awesome. Javi, thank you so much for spending time with us today and answering some of these key questions. I know this is going to be a very interesting summer. We're starting to see it with some of the movement around with coaches, obviously. Yep. The COVID thing seems to have gotten past us. And I think this is going to be the first year we're really going to start seeing that next level kid. Uh, it's going to take a little extra work for people to find homes. I agree. I totally agree.
I totally agree. Brian, I appreciate your time, man. Always great talking to you and collaborating with you on Twitter, man. So let's keep it up. I look forward to the next time we talk like this. Likewise. Play ball, kid.